What's up, coaches? You're tuned in to Keep Your Pads Down, the podcast devoted to the defensive line and defensive football. So if you're all about getting after the quarterback, blowing up running backs, punking the offensive line, and making offensive coordinators throw their visors down the ground in disgust, then this is the podcast for you. So wherever you are checking us out today, thank you for giving us a listen. Uh, We're about uh, halfway, maybe a little over halfway through season three of the podcast here. And this is episode number 135. And we have another great episode lined up for you today. When we bring on Robert Morris, assistant head coach and defensive coordinator, Dave Plungus, to talk third down defense. And I mentioned this in our conversation today, but I first heard Coach Plungus when he did a clinic over at our coaching network back uh, earlier this winter. He talked about uh, linebacker play. Uh, And then he actually did another clinic uh, on our coaching network again over what we're talking about today, which is third down defense, which I also really like. So I knew I wanted to get him on, uh, and and now uh, we we have an opportunity to do that today. Now, what is our coaching network, you ask? Well, it just so happened to be a sponsor of our podcast and a new platform that allows you to have access to weekly football clinics that they put on multiple nights each week and then are added to a library that members can access at any time. Our coaching network also makes it really easy to connect with fellow coaches from across the country so you get to know outstanding coaches like our guests today. So get on over there today. Create your account now. Subscriptions are super affordable. You can even sign up for a free week, and you can cancel at any time. So start connecting with and learning from coaches all across the country today with our coaching network. Now, we are also proud to be sponsored this season by the guys at Go Edit Graphics. So Go Edit Graphics allows any coach to create custom graphics from their library of templates in a matter of minutes by changing the colors, text, and images to make it your own. They offer categories like game day, scoring, player profiles, and communication, to name a few. The platform is easy, it's affordable, and no design skills are needed. Go Edit Graphics is a great way to showcase all your sports and athletes, and subscriptions are for 12 months and include unlimited graphics. In fact, if, if you check out the graphic that we put up today on Twitter, I went with the link to today's uh, show. That entire graphic was created by me in just a few minutes using Strictly Go Edit. I picked out the template I wanted, uploaded the picture that I wanted to use, I changed the colors and the text to what I wanted that to look like, and boom, just like that, I'm done. Process is super easy. It's user-friendly. And like always, mention keep your pads down when you're ordering and receive $25 off your showcase yearly package. Highlight your athletes with custom-made graphics in less than two minutes. Go edit graphics. Okay, so uh, we're, we're talking with Coach Blungus today, and a little about Coach before we get to our conversation. Coach is in his third season at Robert Morris, and uh, in 2019, uh, Coach helped the Colonials to their first winning season since 2010. Uh, prior coming to Robert Morris, Coach Blungus served as the outside linebackers coach and recruiting coordinator for three seasons at his alma mater at the University at Albany in 2015 to 2017. Uh, Before he was at Albany, Coach Plungus spent the 2013 and 14 seasons as a linebackers coach at, I know I'm going to butcher this name right now, Coach, and and I'm sorry, but our Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. Say that uh, two or three times fast, which, you know, you you say that enough times, you're going to understand why Coach refers to it simply as RPI uh, in our conversation today, which is what I should have done. But anyway, sorry for you proud alumni of that uh, prestigious institution. Sorry I butchered your name up. But anyway. Uh, Coach is also a native uh, of Concord Township, Ohio, uh, very proud uh, Ohioan, and appeared in uh, 43 games for the University of Albany Great Danes at linebacker, 
compiling a career total of 246 tackles, including 97 solo takedowns. So he could play a little bit uh, back in his day. Uh, Coach Blungus helped Albany win three NEC championships and earn the program's first automatic bid to the NCAA FCS playoffs in 2011. Now, as I already mentioned today, we are talking third down defense, uh, specifically defensive line twists is kind of what we start off with. We get into different types of twists and movements that the Colonials like to run uh, and coaches uh, coaching points for each. Uh, we also talk about how the O-line, O-line's blocking rules affect how they coach those 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 stunts and, and how uh, he feels it's, it's really important to teach that to your defensive lineman, his routine for uh, breaking down opponents and watching film. And then... I asked Coach Plungus, who's a diehard Cleveland sports fan, what the Browns should do with Baker and if the Cavs should bring back LeBron. So a ton of great stuff to get to today with Coach Plungus. So let's dive in. Here is Coach Dave Plungus on episode number 135 of KYPD. Coach Plungus, I've been a fan of yours for a few months now, and unbeknownst to you, have been robbing you blind of some of your linebacker drills. So, uh, needless to say, I'm honored to have you on the podcast tonight. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you, Ty, having me on, and um, you know, just just getting the opportunity to be on, um, you know, our coaching network, and and you know, be able to present stuff that we do at Robert Morris has been great for us, and um, you know, obviously helping coaches in this profession is what it's about. So, definitely appreciate you guys have me on and you have me on tonight yeah and and since since you mentioned it I'll ask you about it uh, you know talk about I talk up our coaching network every week uh they're they're a sponsor of ours uh Pat is a good friend of mine uh the owner of of our coaching network the guy who started that and and so tell us how you kind of got involved with him and then I'll give you a chance too, to sort of talk up and give your own plug for you know, or what you've, what you've got gotten or benefited, how you benefited from being a member with our coaching network as well. You know, it's been awesome. Um, you know, it was, it was honestly, you know, from, from what I remember, I was, I was driving on the road, I was in Ohio and it might've been right around or right when COVID was ending. I think last spring, we might've stopped or ended our last spring, uh, spring game, um, you know, in 2021 and Pat and I just hooked up on Twitter and he hit me up and, you know, kind of just, you know, started talking, you know, he was um, at o- in Ohio before kind of had that mutual thing going on. Um, just started talking some football and he said, I, you know, I'm starting this and, you know, want you to get, to get you on. And um, it was just very beneficial for, for both of us at the time. And then uh, we kind of just ran and, and took it and, you know, he's been great to me. And, um, you know, I've learned a lot just of different types of things you can learn and, and get out there, especially with our coaching network. Um, it just, the, a great toolbox, which there are many, um, but it's just a great toolbox and a reference, um, not only to, to football play, but to many other things. Um, you know, you could talk about schematics, fundamentals, things to do in recruiting. There, there's a plethora of things and a big toolbox that you can have going in there, um, which is awesome to, to go back to and, and look at and get better yourself. Yeah. And, and I think one of, one of the things that I've really enjoyed about it and, um, it is it's easy to connect with guys uh, on that platform. You know, like you can send them a message through that platform. You know, if you watched the video there and you had a question about it or you wanted to get the rest of the presentation or whatever, uh, I think that's 
that's a really underrated aspect of it because you know you can there's a lot of different ways that you can go and get football clinics whether it just be like on a on youtube or glazier or um you know some of these find some of these online clinics but i think that the the ability to connect with the guys who have presented on there who are, who are also members i think that's a really cool aspect of it as well yeah yeah no it has been awesome and you're spot on with that just the easy accessibility to to connect with people has been huge yeah, for sure. Well, so you are originally, uh, you're coached in Pennsylvania now. You're originally from uh, Ohio, which is a, a state that's known for great high school football. So let's talk about that and 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 just, just have you fill us in on your football journey up to this point. Yeah, damn right it's a good football state. Um, <laughs> you know, um, I don't know if it's Texas, but um, it's, it's pretty damn good. I'm very proud, Ohio and Cleveland, Ohio. Um, you know, I was um, lucky enough. Um, I actually tell you a little story how I got into football. I actually grew up um, very, you know, I tell the story to, to all my friends, all my family, but I even told it at my brother's wedding. But, um, you know, I grew up a very uh, overweight uh, young man. I didn't, you know, I played a little basketball, but I didn't, really didn't want to play football, but I was a big boy, um, really big boy. And it was sixth grade. Um, my brother would come home from college um, and I really didn't do anything. I was, I was a couch potato. I'd sit on, I'd watch TV. I'd, I'd eat potato chips. I, you know, I loved Subway at the time. And then, um, you know, my brother would come and watch me. My mom and dad would go work. And this is during the summer. Um, so this is probably around August, you know, school starts for us late August. And, um, you know, one day, you know, my brother kept getting word from, you know, the, the middle school or grade school um, head coach saying, Hey, you got to get Dave to play. You gotta, he's a big guy. You got to get him to play. And I wanted nothing to do with football. Um, so, one day he came home. Um, I don't know where he was at, but he was home from college. And he said, hey, Dave, you know, let's go get some Subway. Let's get some food. And I said, of course. Of course I'd go. Um, so I get in the car. Um, my brother and I, Ryan, are, are driving. Um, and all of a sudden we're driving. We're in Cleveland, Ohio. We're going. And I'm, I'm looking on my left, and there's Subway. We're driving right past it. So, you know, I asked him, you know, where are we going? He said, oh, there's another one down, another one down the road. So we're going. We're driving down this road and you know, I'm thinking I'm going to get a nice little meal out of it. Have my college brother pay for it. And all of a sudden we pull into this parking lot of this grade school where there's a football practice going on. And my brother Ryan stops it, looks at me, gets out of the, he brought cleats, his old cleats that he used to play in, threw the cleats outside, dragged me out of the car and drove off. And ever since then, I've never stopped coaching or playing football. So that was way back in 2002. Oh, sorry, 2001. So, um, you know, I thank my brother for getting me started with that. Um, but, um, you know, that was, a, that was a great time in my life there for him to, to get me going in this and haven't looked back since. Um, but just growing up in Ohio, um, great football town. Um, you know, being in Cleveland, I was able, um, you know, to, to go to Lake Catholic High School, get coached by Mike Bell, um, a tremendous coach, a huge influence on me. Even before that, my, my grade school coach, Guy Sapinero, um, just taught me um, what it was to be a man and to work. Um, and I think those are the two biggest things that that your grade school and high school coach can teach you. And, and football is not everything, but is a lot of things in Ohio. Um, people love it. The culture of being tough, of being rugged. Um, you know, we weren't in the, the you know, we were in a middle class town. Um, you know, our school wasn't middle class, probably a little more upper, upper middle class. But still that that kind of stigma of, of being tough, of playing tough football, of hitting, of running to the ball, especially defensively. Uh, was just really instilled in me at a very, very young age, football, you know, and then um, playing high school football, I 
luxury of going to New York, um, which, you know, no offense to New York, I don't think it's as good as football um, as, as Ohio, still very good in different areas. So overall, um, it was kind of different. I mean, I went to University of Albany, and the, the greatest thing about branching out there was just the people you meet. Again, when I went there, I had um, the, the ability to play for Bob Ford, who was a coach at Albany from 1970 all the way to 2013. He was there forever. Um, a lot of wisdom, um, and I have a lot of gratitude towards him for teaching me to grow up and teaching me to play football the right way um, and just teach me how to progress in the college setting. Um, so that was a little bit about me, just where I've been, um, where I've come from, and you know, you know, now um, just in terms of, of coaching, you know, been able to experience um, a good amount as well. So after um, you know playing at the University of Albany, you know, didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, actually went into financial advising for a couple couple months. Didn't like it. Um, got out of it. And I said, I know I, I want to play football or I want to coach football. And I, and I knew I did. Um, and, you know, my, my coach at the time, Bob Ford, you know, helped me, called around, um, had one interview at Springfield College, a division three in, um, in Massachusetts. Didn't get it. it was my first interview. Um, and then my second interview was Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. Uh, engineering school, Division Three in upstate New York, in Troy, New York, um, at the time was going through five different coaching changes in five years. Um, and Ralph Isernia, his first year taking over that job, um, hired me. And I'm, I'm forever grateful for him giving me a chance. He hired me as a restricted earning linebacker coach. Um, and I went there and we were able to, to help that program in the two years that I was there. Um, first year being linebackers, second year he moved me up to linebackers and special teams. Um, and we were able to, to go to an ECAC bowl game, which was really big at the time, have a winning record. Um, and, and for those of you that follow Division Three football, RPI now with Coach Isernia still there um, are at the top of the watermark. They, I think they went to the Elite Eight last year in Division Three. I follow him all the time, and he's done unbelievable things for that program. Um, from there, I was able to get back to the University at Albany um, for a new head coach at the time, Greg Gattuso. Um, I went there. Took a step down the ladder. Was a defensive assistant there. Um, you know, Greg was a, a coach at a D line coach at Pitt for a long time, and I'm, I'm definitely going to plug him because I learned so much from him. Um, he was a defensive line coach for Dave Wanstead when Aaron Donald was there. He was the one who recruited Aaron Donald. Um, you know, he coached Aaron Donald, um, and his D line play is what I hold true, and a lot of stuff that I teach off of too. Um, he was great for me to learn from from D-line play because I was a linebacker guy most of my life, a little bit of safety guy as well, um, but never really got into the D-line play. And that's where I learned the most D-line play. Um, and Greg, Coach Catusa was, was unbelievable for me um, in teaching me and guiding me along. So I was there in 2015, 16, and 17, um, you know, 15 as a defensive assistant linebackers, 16 as a defense assistant D-line. In 17, he ended up moving me to outside linebackers and recruiting coordinator. So I've just been fortunate enough of everywhere I've been to, to be able to take those steps, learn, grow, and get better and move up the ladder. Um, and you got to be around great people that believe in you. And, you know, I had a coach at RPI who believed in me. I had a coach at Albany and Greg who believed in me. And, you know, during that time, you know, especially in 2016 and 17, um, we were able to have a top 10 defense in all of FCS. So we did a lot of really good things there. Um, you know, kudos to him and then kudos to, um, you know, Coach Clark, who was our D.C. there. After 2017, um, going into 2018, our D.C. at University of Albany, Bernard Clark Jr., took the head coaching job at Robert Morris. Um, and, you know, again, I was lucky enough for him to, to bring me with him to be his defensive coordinator. 
Um, got here in 2018, taking over a program that was, you know, not doing so well in the, in the previous years. And it was very similar to the Albany. We had to, to right the ship. Um, you know, the, but when we took over, the last winning season was 2010. And we took over in 2018. And, and we knew we had to, to, to implement our culture, um, get the right people on the bus, the wrong people off the bus. Um, and we did an unbelievable job. And in 2019, ended up having a winning record, 6-1 in conference. And we're able to, um, you know, get this ship going. And, and now we're, we're still steering the ship in the right direction, keep getting better and better each year. But, um, you know, just along the path, it's um, you got to have someone, some people that believe in you. Um, and you got to really be able to grow and learn and, and take that coaching, whether it's positive or negative or criticism or lifting you up and whatever it is, keep using that and move forward. Um, but I've been very, very lucky in my career so far. Um, I was very thankful for people I've been around, but um, that's just a little bit about me growing up all the, to, all the way to where I'm at now. Yeah, it's definitely, you talked about, you got to have someone who believes in you and it's, it goes with the, the coaching cliche. It's not what you know, it's who, you know, uh, how do you get people to believe in you? Like what, 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 what did you do coming through at each stop that made people believe in you? That's a great question. Um, I've been thinking about that a lot lately too, just to, and the thing that always comes to mind is just do more, um, you know, do more. Don't be afraid to fail. Everyone says that, right? Don't be, but you truly just got to do more. Just reaching out to people. It's, it's um, you know, you think you're tired, but you can, you know, whatever you got to plan for the next day, plan it. Um, and I just think you got to keep pushing forward and doing more. Like I know when I was at RPI, um, you know, my main thing was, you know, I had to learn linebackers, right? So you had to go at that time, this is 2013, right? There's still a lot of stuff on social media, but you got, you got to go visit people. Um, I still, I love all the stuff on social media, but actually physically talking to people one-on-one. -on -one. And I remember the first place I visited was, was Brown University, all right? And Coach Kelleher and Coach McGrath were there. Um, and they were the DC and D-line coach. That was the first place I ever visited. Our DC knew them. I went there and we went and talked ball for about eight hours. Those guys sat down with me for eight hours. I'm like, wow, it was unbelievable. You know, so much to learn, what they've been through. Um, and then it's, um, you know, trying to find out what your, um, you know, what your coach wants. Um, you know, one of, one of my mentors in this profession, Aaron Smith, uh, who's the receivers coach at Army now, um, he always would say to me, he's like, everyone's a GA until you're the head coach, right? So no task is too small. Um, so work to do more, work to do everything you know, be involved, find something where you can excel in. Like I know for, um, again, for me going back to Albany, when I got back to Albany, I had to prove myself. It was a new staff. Even though I played there, it was a whole new staff. So I had to prove that, hey, when I got moved to D-line, I can learn it. And I, I, I really focus on the defensive ends. All right. So when, when I got to practice, I was able to coach those defense ends. I still had no clue at the time what the defensive tackles were doing. But, I, man, I knew what those DNs were doing. So I believe, you know, coaches see that. They see you work. They see you try to get better. They see you trying to be involved and do more. Um, but I think, um, you know, again, you got you to gotta be lucky sometimes. Um, and to get a coach to believe in you, it's, it's about the hard work ethic of, of just keeping the push forward and doing the right things, which um, not, not only doing the right thing, but doing the right thing that they want, right? Because you, a lot of people, a lot of people, right, want to do their own thing and and kind of veer off in a different direction and be like, oh, I'm going to do this and do this. this is what I believe in. That's great. That's what you believe in. But 
you know, you're working for someone else and you got to make sure it's copacetic and everyone has to be aligned from top to bottom because if there's anyone not aligned, right, then that means there's not going to be as much success for that team. Um, so I think those are very, very important points. That's a great answer. You're going to have to, uh, you know, that you use that word copacetic. I'm pretty sure that you lost about 95% of our audience right there at that word. Unified, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm using my context because I did teach English for 10 years. And so I was trying to just nod my head like I know exactly what you're talking about. But uh, anyway, yeah, I um, the best coaches that I've been around are those guys who they're always finding stuff to do, you know, like kind of like what you're talking about there at the beginning, like, they're, they're always looking ahead and like, and if, and if they got their stuff done then they're helping someone else, you know, maybe it's helping yeah. out with the laundry or they're, they're tagging some, vi some video or they are, um, you know, maybe writing a note to somebody, something like they're never just sitting around the office, you know, during office hours, just, just kind of sitting around, you know? Yeah. And, and so I think that's a great way to get people to believe in you just because, Hey man, that guy is, is utilizing his time and getting every, everything out of the time that he has. And so, and then, and then that, that, you know, when, when they see that, see you doing that, you're going to get more responsibility and more, more freedom and, and kind of like what you talked about more say and input um, because people will want to hear from you when they see that, that you can be entrusted with the little things. Well, so we are, we're talking uh, third down defense today. And again, plugging your, your, uh, your video that's, that's up on our coaching network. Um, I, I watched, I've watched both of your videos with the first one talking about linebacker play that I alluded to at the beginning of this episode, where I've gotten a lot of the drills and, and coaching cues from that I'm using now. And then, uh, really liked the, um, your video on third down defense. And so I want to talk about that now, and we're going to start just, my questions are going to start first with, uh, just your, you know, starting up front with your defensive line and your D line twist games. And I know in that presentation, you talked about how you're coaching those up and the different types of twist games that you have. But, but but one thing I thought was really interesting was you you began by talking about the offensive line rules and how you teach those to your guys. So talk about that, like what the offensive line is being told, um, you know, when it comes to defending or, or blocking defensive linemen who are running twist games. Yeah. So um, we were heavy in the twist um, these past uh, – you know, or two years ago, last year, a little bit, um, you know, and, and we'll get into the protection aspect, but yeah, the first thing like we want to teach our D line is um, what they're going against, what the other, the opposition is being taught. Um, because the more you know about what the offense is doing, um, the better you'll play and then the better technique you'll have. So we tell them, Hey, this is what, you know, O-line is if they have any sort of tell by your depth or your alignment or a tendency that we may have, this is what they're thinking and this is what they are going to be told for um, in terms of the handle of the twist or if the twist game's coming. You know, we talk about just rules of our guys. The rules of the O-line versus twist is they're going to block their man unless he hesitates or backs up. So what that tells our D-line is if we're coming off the ball, all right, or we're backed up in our alignment, all right, but we hesitate coming off the ball, then they're going to think something's up, right? If you're not getting that get off that you've done every single play, first down, second down, third down, and you're jetting off the ball and taking, taking off like a jet. Well, as soon as they go back, they're going to be like, all right, man, something's happened. Something's coming from either side. All right. Where's my next threat. All right. So we tell our guys that. So in our alignments, um, we don't want to back up too much. We don't want to hesitate off the ball. All right. We want to make everything look um, same as um, we also tell them as O linemen. All right. If my guy, 
hesitates or does back up like we just spoke about, he is taught to get depth. So he can now function and see everything come in. So as soon as you hesitate or back up at all, that guy in front of you, whether it's a guard or tackle, he's going to back up. He's going to gain depth. He's going to see what's going on. All right. And then the rule number three against it is if he does hesitate, like we spoke about, he switches. So again, if he hesitates or backs up, get depth and then look for the switch. All right. So we tell our guys that it is so important because you got to get off the ball. First and foremost, this is a pass rush all right, down. This is a pass rush technique. All right. The other things that they look at all right, is they look at your eyes. All right. If they are looking or you're looking with your eyes, your eyes will take you to the stunt. All right. So they're taught as soon as your eyes take you, all right, or as your head turns back up. So same thing, right? If you hesitate, if you don't get off that ball, if you back up, all right, or if you're eyes go to the next adjacent O-lineman, then you are going to back up as an offensive lineman, all right? So obviously the, the, the term against that, everyone's probably heard is the coffee house, right? Look and then go, right? So those, that's a classic rush that, that we tried last year and did not work. Our guy was not able to do it, all right? But so we love to teach our guys these um, offensive lineman techniques versus twist. So the main thing is all right. If you are going to, you know, back up your alignment off the ball a little bit, but don't make it don't make it um, obscene for these guys to see you. All right. But get off the ball. Come out like a normal pass rush. Have your eyes all right, where they're supposed to be and straight ahead, because as soon as you veer off or you hesitate, you dance, they're going to know they're going to get depth off the twist. So those are the first things we teach our defense alignment when we run these t- twist games. So we do a lot of run stuff day one. I know we all this summer, day two, you know, we're starting to plan it out already as a staff, right? Day two this summer, it is all about our pass rush. They all should look the same. They all should look the same. Yeah, I uh, I, I think that's such a, um, even for me and, and having taught and coached D-line for a long time, you know, we talk about eye discipline in every other aspect of defensive line play and how important that is, you know, eyes on, eyes on your hands. And we talk about having eyes in the palms of your hands, all that kind of stuff. But I, I, I know for me, when it came to teaching those, those slants and those stunts that I didn't really focus on where your eyes were. And that's a great point because, you know, again, if I'm coaching that offensive line, I'm saying, Hey man, if you see his eyes going, you know, this way, then where do you think he's going? So I think that's such an underrated aspect of coaching those, and, a, and, and also, again, get, being able to get off the ball is, 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 is crucial. You're right, because um, chances are, if you've run those stunts on film, they're going to know they're coming, and so they're going to be ready for them. And so you're right, it's got to look like every other down. Otherwise, they're going to pick them up, and it's a really easy switch off for those offensive linemen. Yes, for sure. Well, so talk to me, because I know you had some really great coaching points and coaching cues for the actual technique when it comes to those, those twist games, you know, like chip yeah. the hip aligning for success. So just talk to us about how you're coaching those up and, you know, along with those coaching cues. Yeah. Yeah. So like when we teach our twist games, um, you know, we got a couple of different ones, but the main one is just the, the, the chip games. Um, and we love it in pass rush. Um, and, and a lot of times in the chip games, you know, there's, there's a couple of different ones where we want to go up and under, we're not chip gaming, we're penetrating and coming under. Um, but the ones that have been very successful for us have been the chip games. Um, and when we're talking tw- chip games, um, you know, the big thing, you know, when we're looking at the D-line twist stuff is, you know, you obviously you want to find the man side. Um, if there's a zone side, man side, you want to find the man side. That's where you want to work your games. 
whether it's a backside of a pressure, whether it's a one-man twist game or a one-side twist game, or if it's a full-man uh, D-line twist game. Um, so, you know, the first one we talk about is we always talk about our techs, you know, tackle first and second. But when we talk about our, our twist game or our chip game, um, obviously, you know, you said it, you mentioned it, we want to do a line to a sign, okay? We want to align for success. So um, when you need, if I'm a three technique and I need to work to that tackle's hip, well, shoot, I can't be in a two, right? I got to be in a loose three. I got to get off the ball. All right, I got to get my eyes going forward, all right? But when we talk about the chip games, we, we say chip the hip, all right? So the big thing is what we want to do is if I'm, a, if I'm working a text and I'm a three technique and I'm getting upfield and I'm into that tackle's hip. So if I work to that tackle's hip, I want to get both hands on that hip and I want to physically chip the hip. Now, what that does is you can't expect your guys to get hands on the hip, all right? We tell them chip the hip because it gets your pad level and it gets your pad level down and away from that guard, especially when you work in that tech stunt. So that guard can't get underneath you or grab you. So you want to get that shoulder down and we're working to chip the hip. Now, sometimes you may hit them, all right, but you want to be low. You don't want to be high. You want to be low. You want to chip and then get vertical. So that's what we tell our guys. We want to chip and get vertical. So just talking about the tech scheme, that three techniques getting off the ball. I want to work now one, two, then get to that tackle's hip get my hands, shoulders down so I can't get uh, overtaken by that guard. I want to chip and then I want to pry vertical. All right. So in this type of game, that three technique is your contain. That end, all right, what he's doing, aligning to a sign. So his rule is he's going to be the second man looping. All right. So if we're, we're doing that text game and we want to get that guard and that tackle on the game, that's the man's side, right? He wants to loosen his alignment because we want to open up that B gap with that tackle. We want to get up field. Now, normally we don't give our guys a foot count, right? Because when you give uh, when you give get the guys a foot count, sometimes it's one, two, three, pop up and underneath. So we say, hey, get off the ball. As soon as you see flash, plant that foot, come underneath. All right. So again, what we want to do with alignment is get wider to get that tackle to set out to open that B gap. So we want to get vertical coming out like the jet. All right, like it's a one-on-one -on -one pass rush with you and the tackle. As soon as you feel or see that flash or that, that three technique coming, plant that foot underneath. All right, where it's been so successful for us, whether it's a two-man game or three-man game when we're working these chip games, is that normally everyone always thinks that looper is the one that's going to be the one that's coming up and under is going to be the one that's free. Mainly when we have done it and I've done it as a coach, it's the guy that chips the hip that becomes free. All right, especially if he does a good job, because what I always find to happen, whether you're chipping the hip of an outside guy or you're chipping hip with the guards or centers, right? Once you're chipping that hip and getting vertical, as soon as that guy that your end on your team comes underneath, that tackle is going to try to back on you and they're going to try to exchange it. And the guard is going to come try to get the looper, right? So as soon as that happens, if you're enough to chip the hip, as soon as that tackle comes back and that guard releases on you, Usually there's an opening for you right through that B gap. So that's been very, very successful for us. Um, the other little coaching point of those chip games too is, you know, if I'm working to chip the hip of that tackle, I am the contained guy on this. So if I feel that tackle come down fast or set down fast and that B gap's not open, well, I got to readjust and I got to call a cage, which is contained. I got to work outside for that cage to get out. Um, so you know, that's a, a little bit of our chip. Can that answer your question, Ty? Yeah, yeah. And and so I'll ask you this too. 
Um, with that defensive end, does he have the freedom to to read out of that stunt? Like, let's say he's popping and he sees maybe it's a quick game to his side. Does he have the ability to to, to read out of that stunt? Yeah. So we we say anytime you're an up and under guy on the outside, if you get full slide down, if you get zoned down, you get a base block. All right, you're staying put. You're staying put. So like you get any type of run, we call him a hold player, which is a quarterback player. So any type of run. All right, that that stunt is it's off, right? So that that guy who's chipping, he's still going to be chipping in the B gap because he's going, right? So he's still going to be in that B gap. But that outside guy, if you get run or if you get full slide away, there's no sense of you coming under right now. So this is a pure pass game. Everything goes away, like you said. You you become the contain and you're the outside. Which is why I like these types of movements because they are pretty. They're they're still pretty safe, you know. Like you have. Um, you have the ability to go, okay, wait, we're going to bail out of this because, you know, maybe it's, maybe, maybe they're just trying to get out of the quarter or whatever. And so they're not throwing the ball and they're just going to hand it off, run a zone or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so it's a way to, to create a mismatch, but you can also get out of it as well. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it's been very, very good for us. And you know, a lot of teams now, um, I mean, they have in the past, but I, I've just seen as a coordinator the last couple of years is, is a lot of teams on those third nines. Like, cause I mean, defenses are gearing up. They're ready to go with pressures and all this exotic stuff. You know, sometimes offenses are just like, all right, let's run a zone. And they get nine, 10 yards against teams. Um, So you got to be sound in the run with these twist games. You can't be gashed with those. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Well, I, I meant to ask you this earlier, but when, it, when going back to the eye, the eyes, how, how are you coaching those guys to keep their eyes straight ahead, but also still get to their landmark or that hip of that adjacent lineman, like we were talking about, or maybe, you know, being able to see that flash, but, but also keeping eye contact with that tackle or whatever, so that, you know, that he's, he's cued on me. And so, so allowing that tackle to, to break through that B gap, how, how do you, you just got to rep it so they can trust it. How, how are you coaching that? Yeah. So you do, you got to rep it. Um, you got to keep, it's like anything else, right? It's, it's, you got to keep, keep talking about it every single day. Keep talking about it, keep talking about it, keep talking about it. Um, but the main thing that I try to do with our guys is that it's it, your get off. When I see the, the twist games not work is when that get off happens, they're looking where they need to go right now. As long as I'll, I'll be confident with the guys and happy with our guys is as long as get off, you're selling it for at least two steps with your eyes. All right, I'll, I'll be happy with that because you're right. Sometimes, you know, sometimes when you're doing it, if you're running, you're running, you're running, you don't see that flash and then you're late for a contain or a loop. Well, then what's the point of the twist game? The big thing that we get home to our guys is that we want to sell it for as long as we can. But at some point, you're going to have to look to where you're going because you need to get there because not everyone can just travel to where they're going by looking the other way. But that's a great question, coach. Like, you got to, you got to, the first thing is get off the ball and have your eyes going towards your man first, and then we can readjust off of it. And I think so much of these is it's, it's, it's also a feel thing, you know, like it's, it's like we're, we're four, two, five also. And, and so you got to let your, and we call our strong side end our anchor and then, the, you know, the anchor and the three tech are together. Like those guys got to work together, how they run those stunts because everyone kind of has their own little, yep. I don't know. Uh, feel for how they do it. And I think that if you're just constantly running different guys in there, they don't ever get in a rhythm, you know, and it's just a trust thing. Like those guys kind of learn how each other move and and work. And and I think that's a big part of it too, is, is, is you got to have those guys who are going to be in there together a lot, repping it together so they can sort of 
learn how the other one's going to move. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. That's a great point. Well, so we talked about, you talked about how, you know, when you're looking at offensive line, you're going to attack the man side. Um, let's, let's talk about your process for breaking down O-line's pass protection when you're game planning that week. And, and uh, I know you had your, you know, you have a list of can we's that you talked about that you, that you your, your staff asked itself. Um, so talk about those a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the big thing we look for protections, um, you know, everyone wants to, uh, you know, there, there's, there, there could be a lot of protections, right. But like, you know, mainly what we seen over the, the years is, is a lot of five Oh, big on big um, half slides, zone side, man side, whether the, the running backs going to cross um, whether he's going to stay um, and then full slide. Those have been the really, the, the three big ones that we've had. Um, and, you know, those are the, the ones that we prep for. And when we're going through our protections, it's, you know, the, the big thing that we want to look for, and you, you alluded to it, is our can we right? So, like, when we're looking at it is, and we want to beat these protections, especially in the third down aspect, number one is can we get a run through? So if we're going to get a 5-0 protection, can we get a, you know, to a bare front and make sure they're in a big on big, and can we send a guy through a gap? So we can have a run through, especially if they're going to scat the back out, right? Can we get a run through? That's number one. How can we get a run through? That's the easiest way to sack. Whether we show from one side, we get an overload side, and we bring it from the other side. All right. So how can we manipulate their protection to get to what we want and have a run through? So if we can get that, that's great. Number two is find the fish, right? Find the guy who is their worst protection O lineman. All right. So that could be their guard, center, tackle. And when we do that, so we found, we went through our, our checklist, our can we, can we find the run through? All right. So we have a couple calls. Hey, when we get to this front, this is what they're going to do. This is the pressure we're going to run or the stunt we're going to run. All right. Number two is, can we find the fish? Who is their worst O-lineman? So if we want to drop back and play coverage and we just want to do some line movements or try to get a one-on-one, -on -one, who is their worst O-lineman? Who is their best pass rusher, interior and outside? And when we find that, how can we manipulate that one-on-one? -on -one? And we want to get it on it. Sometimes, like, you know, it's crazy. And as I've been through it, like, people want to do all this exotic stuff, but what's your purpose? Like, what's your purpose? Is your purpose to have the craziest pressures possible? Or is your purpose, whatever, if it's a, if it's a four-man or five-man pressure, it may not look exotic, but if it gets a run-through, that's successful. All right? And if we're just running cover four on third down, not everyone's like, oh, man, that's what you do on first down. But if you can do that really well and put a great matchup on their worst offensive lineman and get a sack, well, why wouldn't you do that? All right. And the other one is, can we get a one-on-one -on -one with the running back? So you've gone through your checklist, run through, find the fish, and then a one-on-one -on -one with the running back. So whether it's a big, heavy um, linebacker or it's a big, heavy D lineman, can we get a one-on-one -on -one with the running back? Whether it's an edge pressure, whether it's a run-through through A or B gap, um, now I, I I love that and thinking that way too because if you get any one any three of those right you you will be more times successful than not in those even if you get a one on one with the running back and it's a guy that you want in the running back you may not get the sack but are you getting that quarterback off his spot are you getting that running back which I think we do a great job of to cross the face of the quarterback to pick up the blitz or the pressure or the movement now. That's just one more thing that the quarterback, when he drops back, he feels in front of him. He feels the running back going across his face. I love doing that stuff. I love making sure the running back has to cross his face because 
that's to me, that's pressure. That's something across his face and he's got to move from his point. Um, so I, those are the big checklists that we have when we're breaking these guys down. You know, you got the 5-0 slide, you got the full slide, the half slide. How can we get the run through? How can we find the fish? And how can we get the one-on-one with the running back? When when you are, have identified, okay, these guys are uh, well. I'll just run, we'll just run through those three pass pros that you talked about, the most common ones that you see. Uh, when you're attacking big on big, you you pretty much you can kind of open up the, the the playbook against that and run whatever you want to run. Um, but what what do you like against big on big? What do you like against half slide? And then what do you like against full slide? So um, the big on big stuff, um, I love um, middle pressures. Um, love love. Uh, you know, we were a big last year, especially in third medium of getting to a bear front, some different versions of bear front, um, and then sending a guy um, through the gap, right? So if we have a bear front, they got to go big on big, right? So now it's manipulating who is running through the open gap inside. So now that tailback has to pick them up. So um, love that, especially on third medium and short downs um, or medium downs, especially because um, our outside guys are kind of linebacker, D-line hybrids. So we would send a lot of middle pressure and drop those guys up out for the slant hash window too. So if that quarterback, he has a quick throw. Well, you got guys in the window dropping out. You get a guy in your face, really gets that quarterback uncomfortable, um, you know, with the, the 5-0 protection. Um, also with the big on big is when we do, it's now, you know, we already, we, we spoke about the, um, the two-man chip game. Um, I love doing the three-man chip game, um, you know, especially when you get you know, big on big. You got threes. And you got to, right, if you get that bare front, um, trying to get that 5-0 protection, well, now you can work a three-man chip game. For offensive linemen, two-man chip games are hard enough. I got to get depth. I got to pass that off. Now when you get the three-man, well, man, that's a guard. That's a center. That's another guard. They got to pass all three of those off, and that is hard. Very, 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 very hard. Whether you want to do it to the interior, whether you want to do it to the center guard tackle, um, love those three-man chip games. They've been really successful for us. When you're getting the, the half side, uh, full slide, the way we've attacked it is, um, you know, pressure. Um, you know, if, if we're pressuring, you know, sometimes we guess right, sometimes we, we don't. Obviously, on the half side, um, you know, the zone side, the man side. But if we can get some type of twist game to that man side, you know, that's a success for us. The other thing is overloading the front um, to get that guard to the man side to not not be the uh, man side anymore to come help out to the overload. Right. So that's, you know, uh, in between of a half slide, full slide for us. Right. Um, we call it a different word for that. But if we can manipulate, open that B gap all right, from that man side all right, to have a run through. Again, that's been a very, very successful thing for us to that overload side, sending someone from the opposite side. Um, so, again, that's been really good for us. And then going to the full slide, anytime you're going to get full slide two off the edge, um, you know, if you're going to get any type of full slide, you know, two off the edge, you know, you just got to have a good read on where that full slide is happening. Is it two or away from the back? Is that back cross, uh, cross protecting or is it not? Um, where can you manipulate that and how can you get that? But the two off the edge uh, NCAA pressure to that um, is, is my favorite to it. Do you have a process for identifying or breaking down pass protections? Like I've tried different ones and, you know, when I'm going through and I'm watching O-line marking, cause you know, you're, you're charting, where's the back? You know, where's the, where, is it a half slide? Is it a full slide? Is it a big on big? Uh, where's the back inserting? Uh, where's the quarterback? Where does he scramble? You know, all those kind of, all those kind of categories, where does he like to, where's his launch point or his setup point, you know, whatever it is. 
do you have a process that you like to to chart that stuff or or how do you go about doing that? Me personally, I um I'm very old school. Like I write everything down. Like when I go through games or whatever, like I'll chart everything myself. I'll draw formations. Um, it's just something I like to do is my best way of learning. Um, for me, it's really um, you know, taking I, I love in terms of the cut-up stuff, especially when you're trying to break down some third down stuff, protections, um, especially protections. I love cutting up like I go through um the defense first. What front did the defense give the offense? Right. So, and then out of that front, what was the offensive check? Like what, what was their protection to it? So I think it's more so what you do to manipulate what they do. Like if every time you give a bare front and they're 5-0, well, chances are that's going to happen, right? Or if you give an overload front, we call it our kahuna front. If you're just giving a, a regular four down with a three and a one, what do they do in that protection on a third and medium? Um, so I love to look at and just split up um, what the defense gives in terms of front and then what protections are going after I think sometimes you you get lost a lot, like when you're when you're trying to find that tailback go everywhere, um, because there are a lot of different protections, um, you know, that these guys try to do and try to try to confuse the defense on too. I just really try to hone in on what's their three base, because usually at the end of the day, it's going to be the three that we talked about, um, you know, for most of the time. And how can you manipulate that? And what fronts will get you that scenario that you want when you're breaking down that stuff? Yeah, it's it's easy to uh, to get lost and get down on a rabbit hole or chasing a rabbit hole really fast when you're looking at that. And I, th- I think that's a great point and something that I don't always do a great job of is 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 watching the defense because you know sometimes we get caught up in just watching the offense and and the, and we and we lose the context of well, why are they doing why are they doing that you know um, what's the reason behind why the offense maybe switched the back to the other side of the quarterback or you know, or, or, or whatever, you know, like what's, yeah. what's the, why that, why they sent that guy in motion, um, you know, is it based on, um, or, or they, they obviously maybe they're changing the play at the line of scrimmage pre-snap, you know, what's, what's the reason for that? And, um, you know, it's, it's generally because of something obviously that the defensive line is doing. So I think that's a great point. Next question on that, or I guess, I guess moving on to, you are, you already kind of alluded to it is film breakdown. So, you, you talked about, you know, when you're breaking down, you know, an opponent's third, third down tendencies, what's your process for that? Like when you go into a, a new week and you're, and you're preparing for an opponent, walk us through just your process for, for building your plan of attack for how you're going to attack an offense on third down. So I think what we've done a good job of is, is you got to um, see what you've done leading up to that point too. Right. And it's just, just like we spoke about, about the defenses is you got to look at, Hey, you know, what have I done to this week? What are they expecting? Right. What's my little wrinkle that they won't expect? Um, and it's not reinventing the wheel, right? Because everyone wants you can't draw up new crap all the time, right? It's got to be something in your toolbox, but you got to have a big toolbox. Um, but for me, when I'm looking at it, it's um, you know, obviously it's divvying up what they do, um, what what they want to do um in terms of you know, third and short, third and medium, third and long, third and extra long. Um, are they a, a big run team? Um, who's their go-to player, um, where they want to get the ball to. Like we played a team last year, like it's sometimes it's incredible. Like they threw the ball on the hash almost every third and medium, whether it was a dig, whether it was a slant, whatever it was, that ball was thrown on the near hash almost every time. Um, so like it's finding those little tendencies. How And then if that's the case, well, how can I drop it? If I'm playing man, how can I drop a guy into that hole to steal it? How can I take away that hash? 
Um, so again, like, you know, like my main thing ties, um, you know, when you're going even into a game, it's, um, and, and we could talk, you know, going into third down, like it, it's what two to three things that they do well, what are the two to three things that they do so good, even on first and second down that we can take away. And then the same thing on third down, like what can we take away to make them play left-handed? Because that's what they want to do. They're two to three things. Then how can I adapt when it changes in the game? Like that's my whole thing as a, as a coordinator is like, I got to take away what they do. Well, don't, if they got a really, really good receiver, well, I got to take him away. So make them do something else. And if you can do those two to three things, it's not that much on you as a defense, but offense, man, they got to change what they do. And then you got to be able to adapt in game to see what they do from that point. But um, when I, you know, I'm looking at it, I'm looking at where's that ball thrown. Um, you know, if you go, if we take it by sections right now, it's like your third and shorts, Right. We, we categorize it every week's a little different, kind of like what's their breaking point. But like usually for us, it's third and one to three. Right. What are they doing in that third to one to three? You know, one, are they a little more run play action pass? Maybe two and three is kind of always that gray area. Are they, or do they feel confident about their run game? If they don't, they're going to probably move the pocket or, or get that ball out pretty fast. Um, then you get to that third, and four, five and six. Right. That's that third and medium where maybe third and four, they can still run, throw some quick game third and five and six, we're thinking a little more nickel or maybe some drop coverage in those hash hole play areas, third and seven. Well, obviously, you know, now you're thinking a little more pass. You're thinking more chip games. You're thinking more bracket coverage. You're thinking of more, maybe some of your exotic pressures that you have. And then you get third and 10 plus, well, let's see what they like to do on that. Am I dropping eight? All right. Am I sending some hot pressures? Um, So a lot of it, you know, it, you know, I knew I threw a lot at you there, but um, those are just kind of the things that go through my mind. It's, um, you know, leading back to the first thing I said is like, well, you got to look at what you do. And, you know, you know, they're going to have a plan for what you do. Just like we're talking about, they're trying, we're trying to take away two or three things that they're doing. So your plan may have to change a little bit. All right. And then looking at where they throw it, what protections they do, kind of combating that all into one and being like, all right, these are the calls that I like. Um, I have a pretty big toolbox and I'm ready to adapt if they give us something different. So I went all over the place there. Tyson. No, no, no. That's, you that's let, well, cause you let you, me know. Now you kind of answered my next question, which was going to be, you know, what do you like in those different categories you talked about? You know, your third and shorts, your third and medium, third and long, third and extra long. Now when you're, when you're watching film throughout the week and this didn't have to just be on third down stuff, are you watching primarily cutups? Like you're filtering stuff out. Are you watching entire games or, you know, how are you, how are you watching your, your video? So, so my process is, um, you know, just, it's, it's always been the same, has to be the same. Um, it's just the, the, obviously the chase of doing it is, um, you know, leading up to it. I, I won't watch any of the film for the next week after our game on Saturday, um, that night, you know, I'm watching, I'm watching games. So the first thing I like to do is I like, to, I, I watch every single game all the way through. So I want to watch every single game all the way through, see the entire, um, entirety of it all how they responded to adversity, vice versa, when they're up, how they're playing, when they're down, you have certain situations and gimmicks. Um, a lot of times I'll just kind of just go and chart. So, you know, especially if we have a noon game and, you know, we get that film on and then later that night, I want to watch their games from previous weeks. So I'll watch some football and TV, great art film, get on their stuff. Um, I get in early on Sunday. I finish watching all that. So I, I want to, by the time we meet as a, as a defensive staff, or as a full staff at 2 p.m. on Sunday before we meet with our guys, I want to make sure I've watched every single game of our next opponent. And when that happens, 
we will watch a game um, after we break from uh, meeting with our guys Sunday as a staff. We'll watch um, we'll watch a, the last game of our opponent. Um, so we'll watch them together, kind of hash out ideas, go our own way. Everyone's got their different jobs, and then me personally, um, the rest of Sunday and into Monday, um, then I'll start filtering cutups. Um, I'll start filtering, you know, personnel um, formation. All right, and I'll just that's how I'll do it to start personnel formation. Um, see what the tendencies are. So, you know, go through the backfield sets, what the run pass stuff, see what they like to do. And obviously have our hit chart out of that personnel formation, what motions, what runs, what passes. And those are the main things. Um, so during that time too, just backtracking a little bit, when I do watch their film, the big thing I chart too is all their unusuals, right? Like just, you know, what unbalance have they been doing? What empty? Are they doing a lot of FSL or FIB, right? Formation of the boundary. Um, what type of, what are their favorite motions? Um, so those are, these are things that I'm going through um, in my thought process. So then when we get back together as a staff Monday night, you know, we've, you know, we've all watched our different versions of cutups. I've been able to watch all the games and then I've been able to watch all the personnel formations um, and have our hit chart ready to go. So then when we're looking on first and 10 second down, all right, this is what they like to do out of this formation and personnel. We put it all together. Here are the calls we like. Um, so those are those are my thought process. One thing to add too that that I'm a big big fan of, um, you know, when I first got into coaching, it was um, when I was a position coach. It was always um, it was always sit in the staff meeting on Sunday or Monday, and we would go. We would put eleven personnel, two by two, gun strong, inside zone. All right, here we go. We watch it. We watch it. There's 25 of them. We watch every single one. Right. Um, so to me, like, it was great. We all, all, got, all got to watch it, but it was sometimes a waste of time. So one thing that I think we've done that's been really beneficial. And if anyone takes a nugget from here, this is the one thing that I think has been awesome. Um, you know, we, we don't, we watch a game by ourselves, but we really don't watch cutups together. Um, you know, what I've gotten, I learned this from a coach a couple of years ago, and he told me this was that, um, we, when we branch off, like I put our, our D line and our D defensive assistant together and they watch all the run game. And then I put our both DB coaches and DB assistant together and they watch all the pass game. And what I found is when we come back together, there's a lot more thought and ideas by everyone watching separately. Most of the cutups all right, and then coming together collectively. Be like, hey, this is what I like. These are my thoughts. Um, because a lot of times I've been in there when we're sitting in the meeting room, and we're watching every single cut up as a staff, like it's just one person talking, it's a talking head and no one's got any forethought or ideas because you don't have time to think because you're on someone else's watch. Um, so I think that's been great. You know, our, our defensive staff have come in and, hey, coach, we like these. These are the protections. This is what we like. These are the pressures. These are the coverages that I think we can use. So to me as a coordinator, it's been awesome because our defensive staff have, have been amazing, you know, bringing, hey, little different switches that we can we can provide in a game. Yeah, it's like the whole kind of like you know what you talk about when when you're coaching your players. See a little, see a lot. When when you just go and say, "Hey, you just focus on on this aspect of the film," then and, and you're and you're right when you're not because I'm always feel self conscious. Like, okay, I could watch this 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 blocking of how they're blocking a certain run play over and over and over, where the safeties coach is back there going, "Dude, come on, hit next, please." <laughs> like, how many times we're we gonna run this thing back? And, and so I think that's a great point. Um, and that gives everybody ownership in the game plan, you know, yep. 
um, where they feel like they're being heard and they're bringing fresh ideas. Cause it's kind of like, if you just go and watch every game, yeah, it's almost, it's drinking through a fire hose. And uh, sometimes you can miss a lot of stuff as opposed to, Hey, go just watch this, you know, these, these things and come back with some ideas. I think that's a great point. Yeah. And because it's always about, it's, it's all about, especially when you get in the grind of the season about working, you know, smarter, not harder and as, as efficiently as possible. So that's, that's another way to get that done as well. When you say, okay, so I've watched the video. Now I'm starting to sort of put this game plan uh, together. You're starting with, uh, when you do that, you're starting with personnel and then top formations in that personnel. Is that, is that where you kind of start building yep. your building blocks? Yep. So, yep. The personnel, top formations. And then out of those formations, you know, you just develop your chart, right? What's their run chart? Where, where mm-hmm. are they, where are the, you know, like, even like I tell our D-line coach, right? Like something when you're drawing cards, like, hey, draw their top three runs first. Like draw their top three runs. Like they don't got to go. And then we'll run. We want to run their best runs on Tuesday. We want to run like maybe they're a big zone team on Tuesday, right? We're running freaking zone out of every the different formations that they have. And then maybe their secondary, like what's their secondary run? So when the zones aren't working, maybe they'll get to a gap scheme. Maybe they're running some power counter pin pool stuff, right? So then that's our Wednesday. Got to throw a little bit in, in there of that. So um, I think that's that's very big for us of just, just kind of looking at what they do well and what they do the most of, right? Taking away the two to three things that they do well. Um, but yeah, going back to, to your point is I'll go formation or personnel formation. Then you just develop your run, your pass, your motion chart, um, and then just kind of take it from there piece by piece. So it's really, you know, it, it goes back to your whole part, whole method, right? Of, of people, a lot of people teach that. Um, something I believe in too, like for me, like you watch as a whole, you piece it together part, and then you bring it back as a whole for the game plan. Yeah, it's the same way we coach, right? Like you show them, hey, here's what we're trying to get accomplished. Okay, let's break it down into parts, and then we'll put it all back together, and then it, it all kind of fits, and the guys see, you know, the bigger picture. Well, Coach, great stuff today, uh, and I would challenge or I, or I would encourage all the guys who are listening to this who have not seen your other videos. You know, we really that's that's really where you 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 know obviously pair everything that you say with with film cutups, and it's really really helpful. So. Um, just another plug. Uh, Pat should be sending me. I, I need to be getting some like some our coaching network koozies or t-shirts or something <laughs> sent to me over here because we are definitely uh, blowing them up in, in this episode. But um, we're going to close out today's or today's conversation with some rapid fire questions and uh, put you under the gun a little bit. So okay. I know you can handle it. I know you're ready to roll. So we're going to dive right in. Sure. But the first question, I love the story told at the beginning. You like to eat Subway. So I'll ask you this. Do you, well, do you still like to eat Subway or are you like scarred emotionally from that? Does that bring up some, you know, some emotional baggage for you? Do you still, do you still eat Subway? Not as much. Um, okay. Really very uh, <laughs> non-Subway now. Don't, don't eat it. All right. Well, I can understand that. When you were crushing Subway on the daily, what was your go-to sandwich? Go-to sandwich was, um, well, how, I mean, I, I would have, sometimes I'd have two a sitting. So I, okay. I used to like the, uh, they used to have a pizza sub it was just <laughs> yeah, chicken breast yeah. with the pepperoni and the marinara sauce. Um, but then the Italian BMT always okay. loved the Italian okay. BMT. Yeah. Toasted. All right. Toasted. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. It's got, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, okay. So now when you're out and about on a recruiting trail, uh, what are, what's, do you have a couple spots that you like to hit, uh, when you're going to get something to eat? So for me, it's, I'm very basic, not a fun question for me. I, I go like, <laughs> I go Chipotle. 
Like it's it's yeah. very yeah. very simple. Like I'm I'm on the road and just there's a Chipotle, something quick, easy. I can get in, get out. I know what I like. Like I you know I don't like to 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 branch out crazy amount. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. We I can get down with Chipotle, and and the good thing is is wherever you go, you can you know what to expect. You know you're gonna yeah. get you something good there. So that's yeah, that's there, there's nothing wrong with that. When you go, um, you know this is the time of year you're going to a different. You're, you're sitting in schools, you're talking with coaches, and and for us high school coaches, you know we we we're talking with college coaches every day, and some are great. You know they're really they're super engaging. Um, they're a lot of fun to talk to. Some not so much. For you, what's what are some of your tips for engaging coaches in conversation and and building that personal relationship or that that you know getting that gaining that trust from high school coaches? Just how do you engage people? What are some tips that you have for other guys when they're looking to do that? The big thing, I mean, like you said, building a relationship. Like um, I think now a lot of college coaches, at least what I see is they, they, they'll offer their kids without even talking to the coach, right? So I think the first step is calling the coach, right? And, and calling and getting to know the coach a little bit. And then when you go in there, um, you know, it's really, it's, it's making conversation. But I think more than making conversation, it's knowing what you're talking about. Like if you go into a coach and, hey, I know Jimmy is 6'2", he's got a 3.5 GPA. I know he's been in this. It shows the coach that you're truly interested in him, in the person, in the program, and then that coach, but oh, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about, right? So I think it's just that 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 feeling that a, a coach gets that you're recruiting their high school of knowing that hey, this guy's a real deal. He knows, so I know you know this is a, this is a good guy. He's well rounded. He's prepared. Um, because if you go in and you're not prepared and you don't know anything about the school, you don't know anything about the players. Well, that coach may give you a, you know okay, thanks. Here are three guys. I'll see you later. So I think that's huge, just being prepared going into it. Yeah, I know that that's sort of a pet peeve of mine because uh, I'm the recruiting coordinator and but I don't do like our head coach does a lot of it's it's I have that title but a lot of us put a lot into into that and we have a you know we have a um a, a prospect sheet and it's it's up to date and and uh, are pretty good about getting information out to coaches but when they show up and they're like they have they're looking at that prospect sheet and you know it's the first time they've ever seen yeah. it uh it's like what are we doing man you know like yeah. Um, okay, let me start from scratch with you and talk to you about these guys. Um, so for your end, on your end, when you come to a high school and you're recruiting guys, like what have some high school guys done, you know, whether they're recruiting coordinators or head coaches that you've really liked, like, man, they made the process really easy for me. They had everything I needed. What did they have or what did they do to make that for you to walk away with a, uh, uh, you know, to hold the, that school in, in high regard? Uh, there's been a couple of coaches in Ohio that whenever I go in, um, you know, they know I'm prepared. I know they're prepared. And when we go in, um, they got the film ready to watch. Um, and I, I probably already, I should have already watched the film, but we watch it together. And, you know, when we watch the film together, um, you know, I'm able to speak honestly to them and being like, hey, like, this is like what I don't like, or this is what I like. And they're able to speak honest too. And because sometimes I think like the honesty thing portion is, is huge. You know, everyone sometimes want to sell their kids and sometimes college coaches come in and be like, Oh yeah, I really like your kid. And then they leave and they don't like them. So I think, you know, being able to sit down and go through the pros and cons of how they're playing right in front of both of you, I think is, just, it was awesome for me when these coaches do it and we talk and we're, we're honest with each other. And I think it's a great dialogue. And those, you know, a couple of those coaches, you know, kind of my best friends in Ohio, right there. We have a great relationship because of that, I think. Yeah. That's a, I've never done that is have, have the film 
pulled up and and gone through it with them or even just asked their opinion. I mean, yeah, you ask your opinion, hey, what do you think of this kid? Obviously, but being able to watch the video and 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 have them, you know, kind of critique it there uh, in person is that's a great idea. May have to may have to try that. Okay, so when you're on the recruiting trail, uh, I like asking this 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 question to college guys. What's what's your best recruiting story or maybe your worst recruiting story? The most memorable moment you've had on the road recruiting. We've had guys get lost in the middle of nowhere. Um, you know, maybe had some or maybe maybe they're on a home visit and they were served some interesting food to eat. Uh, maybe they've been in sketchy parts of town. Uh, what's what's your best recruiting story that you have? So so mine was um wasn't a recruiting story, it was a camp story. Okay. Um, so this is like the when I when I came back to Albany, our head coach at the time, um, he's a he's a bigger he played D line at Penn State, so he's a big guy. Um, but he you know he likes to be um, you know driven around in uh, in bigger cars. He doesn't like little cars. So um, I'm a defensive assistant. Um, I just got moved to D line, assistant D line. He's a D line guy. Want to make him happy. Um, we're going to Brooklyn, New York. Um, to go to the uh, is a Syracuse camp that was like a satellite camp back in 2016. And we're going to Brooklyn, New York to meet with Dino Babers and his staff and go out there and recruit. We think there's going to be like, the word was there's going to be like 150 prospects there from New York city. So we're like, all right, you know, we're going to go. Um, so the first thing is, is, you know, I order the car, order a big car SUV. Um, I pull up and it's a, it's a compact car, little, little car. So I go, I'm like, oh man, this is that good. So, all right. So I go, I'm like, I'm going to pick coach up. I pick coach up. He's mad. You know, he's, you know, he's giving me a hard time. You know, it's not anything, you know, fears, but he's, he's, he's laughing, but you know, he's, he's mad because he's uncomfortable and going from Albany, New York city is about two hours and 40 minutes. So we're driving um, to get there is fine. We get there, um, you know, whatever it's good. We get there and there's about 40 kids there and they are not the greatest of athletes. So our head coach is furious. And so he's just like, oh, man, so he's furious. So we're like, all right, I'm like, all right, man, this is 0 for 2 right now. So I let him in this camp. I got a compact car. Then we get back in the car, and we're driving in the city. Huge traffic jam. Um, I think on the, it was the George Washington Bridge. Three hours in the car with the head coach after a bad camp. Uh, one of the worst experiences as a defensive assistant I've ever had. Ouch! Ouch! Uh, did uh, did you were you able to ever able to come back from that or? or? Yeah, he was. Coach was great. Coach was yeah. always great. But just in that moment, you just yeah. dude, everyone yeah. everyone was frustrated. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And although it wasn't your fault that you got delivered the wrong car, you feel like it's your fault. Although it wasn't your fault, there's only forty kids there. You feel like it's your fault. The traffic jam's not your fault, but you feel like it is. So yeah, okay. Well, so here's a here's a juicy question for you. Okay, looking at your schedule, I was looking at y'all's schedule uh, the other day. A uh, really good schedule coming up in, in 2022. What opponent on your schedule would you do you want to beat the most in 2022? Oof, I don't know. That's 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 good. I want to beat them all. That's a huge coach question. Um, you know, number one, right? You know, the first game of the year. Um, you know, since we've been here, we haven't beat them. Um, so I think uh, you know, playing them, you know, Dayton um has been a really good rivalry for for Robert Morris. Um, throughout the years and before we got here, they you know, even during when we, we've been here, they've gotten the upper hand on us. Um, so we're hoping to turn that um, turn that outcome into our favor. But definitely them, number one game. Um, and that's where our focus is, and I think that'll be a that'll be a good one to start on. Is that game at home or is it on the road? That game is at home. Okay, awesome, awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. 
Okay. Uh, I'll just tell you this. The rest of the questions will all be Cleveland sports questions. So, yeah. um, you know, I know that uh, it sound, if you're from Cleveland, I'm, I'm assuming you're a long-suffering Cleveland sports fan. Is that? Oh, that's suffering. We won a championship in 2006. I know. I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. Hey, we're, I'm, not, I'm, like, we're not suffering anymore. Like I'm, like I'm, like I'm, uh, I can't talk. I'm a Cowboys fan. Um, I you, was, had, you had three, uh, three titles in the nineties, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like so, none of no kid on, there's no kid on your roster that was alive for that. So, um, our, yeah. our, uh, our head coach played for the, was with the Cowboys for a little bit. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. He's with the okay. Cowboys. With okay. Johnson era. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. So we have that to look back to, but really that's, that's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's been rough, but okay. Talking about the Browns, uh, the talk right now, you know, what's, what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. Um, so I'm just going to throw this out there, throw some odds at you. What's the, oh, I'm going to set the over under on how many games will Deshaun Watson play next season. There's 17 games, right? So well, let's, let's set it at nine and a half. Are you taking the over or the under on nine and a half games played next year by Deshaun Watson? I'm taking the under on that. I think I would take the under as well. And I might've mm-hmm. said that I, I probably should have bumped that down another game and a half or so to make it a little more enticing, but yeah, I, I think so too. So that leads us to, to, to this. What do the Browns do with Baker? I don't know. Um, and, and this is, this is my thing on Baker. Um, you know, I was talking to a lot of my, my friends, my childhood friends on this, um, you know, to me, Baker, I mean, I know he's upset and I know, you know, you can go, you can, you can talk about whatever um, in terms of, what happened, how it happened. Um, you know, to me, you know, he, he led us to the first playoff um, appearance, I think since 2003. Um, you know, I always tell guys too, like you know, everyone in Cleveland is like, oh, we need a new quarterback, need a new quarterback. He's the first quarterback in, in a while to lead into the playoffs. Um, and I always ask people too, is what, what quarterback since 1999 that the Browns have that you would take over Baker at the time? Probably not a quarterback. I don't think so. You can't say Tim Couch, you can't say Kelly Holcomb, you can't say Spurgeon Lynn, I don't think so. Um, but, um, but with Baker, um, I'm not sure. I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I tell you, I man, he's got a good shot to play if he comes back and tries to, tries to compete for a job there. So, um, yeah. I know it's not what he wants to do, but. Yeah. You, you would, yeah, obviously you can understand his feelings are hurt that, that bridge is, you know, that, that Browns didn't do a great job of handling that situation, but it doesn't look like they're going to get, they're going to trade him. So it's like, Hey, Go and make the most of it. Go ball out and play for your next job, and then then you can you know go somewhere else and you know shoot the proverbial double birds to them for for you know kind of letting you go, I guess. But I, I agree with you. Man. What what um so who is your most who is your favorite Cleveland sports hero? You know for you, and if you have to pick a couple, that's fine. It can be football, basketball, baseball, whatever. Do uh do, does the sports team count for Ohio? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was a big Buckeyes fan back in the day. Yeah, for so, sure. Um, you know, so some of my heroes, I could pick a lot of them, but um, obviously number one, you got to start out with LeBron. You have to, um, you know, I was fortunate enough when I was in eighth grade, LeBron was a senior in high school at St. Vincent, St. Mary's. I went to high school at Lake Catholic, um, both in the same league. So we got to see LeBron play. Um, you know, I got to see LeBron, you know, kind of upstart and go from, you know, this, this, this freshman phenom, to a senior superstar that was all across ESPN. Um, the one story that I'll say about LeBron that I always thought was a cool story was when I was in eighth grade, um, my dad and my brother, um, LeBron James was a senior in high school. And this was before high school sports were on um, TV. And um, LeBron was on ESPN two versus Oak Hill. 
Um, and many, a lot of people remember that game. It was Dick Hubie and Jay Billis um, announcing that game. It was kind of unheard of for a guy to be on national TV. And um, he was on national TV. You know, that was really the first time in the rest of the year he was on national TV a lot. But the day before, I remember there was a Cavs game, or maybe it had been two days before. And there was probably about um, four or 5,000 people. It wasn't many. This was back in, whatever, 2002 or three. It wasn't many people there. Um, and then two days later was that game at Cleveland State, which is about a, a couple miles away from the queue, or at the, at the time, I think it was the queue or Gundarina where the Cavs play. And there was over about I think 15 or 16,000 at LeBron's high school game and four to 5,000 people at the Cavs game. And it was just incredible. And I was able to go to that game and something I'll never forget. Um, just him being on ESPN as a, in high school, you know, seeing when your high school programs do that. Um, but you know, the other, the other hero of mine, sports hero is Mike Doss. Um, not many people remember him. He was a safety for the Buckeyes in 2002 uh, when they beat the Miami Hurricanes um, in the national championship game in that overtime game. Um, so he was one of the guys that I just, you know, he was a safety captain, Ohio state five foot, you know, excuse me if I'm wrong. I think he was about five foot eight or nine, but he was just a freaking missile out of that uh, deep backfield. Um, and I remember just, that was something that really turned me on to football, just seeing them win the national championship um, being from Ohio. He was from Northeast Ohio, I believe the Canton area. So something inspiring, um, but definitely, definitely a hero. Okay. So uh, I'm going to maybe potentially ruffle your feathers here a little bit, but um, the team up North gives you a call and says, Coach Palungus, we want you to come and be a, uh, be a part of the staff here. Are you taking that job? They're paying the bills. You have to. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, you can't say that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, 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 uh, we grew up in my house or we grew up Texas fans. My dad went to Texas. My uncles went to Texas, but, you know, I always said, Hey, you know, your, 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 uh, your, your loyalties does, it does have limits, you know, when you start throwing some money around and everything. So, uh, if that ever, if that ever became a, uh, a, a, a possibility, then, then sorry, but yeah, I understand that. And, and I love, you know, my, my, uh, father-in-law, uh, he's passed away, but he, he grew up in Flint, Michigan. So obviously a big Michigan fan and just seeing his sort of his, that rivalry through his eyes was, was, was cool because um, it's just so much passion behind it, you know, on both sides. And uh, it's, 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 um, I, it's, it's a really great, a really great rivalry in college football, if not the best rivalry at the moment. And, and, you know, especially now with Michigan taking one this, this past year, I think that kind of revamps it up a little bit. So oh, yeah. just a lot, you, you, you already talked about it, but a lot of great sports going on in Ohio with obviously Ohio state, you know, the Cavs winning a championship a few years ago there with LeBron. Uh, last question, do the, uh, do the Cavs bring LeBron back? What's, what's up? What, what, what is, what should LeBron do? I don't know that answer. I know the Cavs have a very good young team. I think they're, 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 they're ready to roll. They need a, they need a, a three and D wing. Um, if he chose to come back though, we'd all accept him with open arms. So there's, there's no doubt about that. He's done more for the city than, than anyone else. So, in terms of the, the sports light and what he's done for the, the vibrance of the city. So um, I hope he does. Um, I, I hope he does win another championship too. Does that mean they have to draft uh Bronny? Like his yeah, son? Is, that, to, is that part of it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Have to. Okay. All right. If, he, if he's good or not, they're going to yeah. have to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, coach, man, had a lot of fun talking with you today. I want to just thank you so much uh, for joining us and sharing with us. I want to wish you guys uh, the best of luck in 2022. 
Appreciate it, Ty. Thanks for everything. It was awesome talking with you too. I really enjoyed talking with Coach Plungus today and want to thank him again for joining us on the podcast. Hey, go and give him a follow at Coach Plungus RMU and let him know you heard him here on KYPD. You can also find uh, his email in today's show notes. So if you want to get in touch with him that way, you can do so. Uh, you should also be following us as well on Twitter at KYPD Podcast. And like I say each week, uh, if you have a topic that you would like to hear us cover or know of a coach that, that we should have on as a guest, then uh, send us a DM on Twitter or fire off an email to KYPDpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you're liking what you're hearing, then go and leave us a five-star rating and review. Takes just a couple minutes and goes a long way in helping spread the word about our podcast here. Our quote of the day goes like this. Worry less about what they're doing and more about what you need to do. Comparison is a killer of peace, of progress, of focus, of culture. And with that, look, I don't know what y'all are about to do, but I'm about to get on up out of here. So we're going to close out this episode of KYPD. But don't worry, we'll be right back here next week with a really cool episode that I'm looking forward to sharing with you guys. Uh, I'll tease it out a little bit for you right now. So next week, we're talking to a Division One coach about getting fired. Yeah, for those of you who have dealt with that, you know that it is a gut-wrenching experience that a lot of us don't like talking about. But we're talking about that topic next week, and we'll flesh that out uh, in our episode. So uh, really uh, a, a, a powerful episode coming your way next week. So subscribe now and join us right back here next Tuesday. Until then, have a great week. And Coach Plungus, what else you got for these guys? Keep your pads down. <laughs>